0: hi everyone welcome to how did you gain a testimony i interview all different kinds of people to figure out how they gained a testimony in hopes that you can relate to one of them and find comfort in their journey finding jesus christ is different for everyone and i hope all these different stories can help you today i interview bashing chavez rabe my mother (laughs) i obviously love her to death but she's so incredible. One of the most educated and well-rounded women I know. She has a fervent faith and a Christ-like desire to improve and get better. She talks about her struggle coming to know the church in a home where the gospel wasn't a priority, and how one repentative and super impactful decision changed the course of her life, and she hasn't looked back ever since. She talks vulnerably and shares a lot of advice for anyone who's been in a situation like hers. I love our talk today, and I hope you do too. Fashion, do you wanna give us a little bit of an intro on who you are?
1: Oh, sure, Um, (laughs) so I was born in Southern California, um, but moved to Heber City, Utah when I was like four, lived there until I was 12 or 13 and moved back to Southern California. I was raised in a home, got like a part member, mostly an active family. And, um, but living in Heber, I was surrounded by a lot of people who, Heber, Utah, I was surrounded by a lot of people who were members of the church, like most everybody. And that had a major influence on uh, my life. Um, I, I was baptized when I was eight, but I, um, again, like I said, that there wasn't a lot of sort of church education or support inside the home. And then When we moved um, back to Southern California, I kind of went inactive from my less activity. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And um, then I started going back to church at 16. Okay. Yeah, and then I went to BYU, met Jeremy, and married. Moved around a lot and had four kids.
0: What did you get your degree in?
1: Uh, English literature. (laughs) And I got a master's in teaching and... um, that's it. That's my education. <laughs> Perfect.
0: Okay, that was a great intro. Um, I want to kind of go back to, you were talking about Hebrew. So what, when you say it was a partly, part member, mostly an active family, what did that look like growing up and stuff?
1: Well, my, um, I think my mom loved the gospel, but my dad wasn't a member. It's long and, and complicated, but he wasn't a member. And... um So she loved the church, but kind of struggled with some of the, you know, orthodoxy of it all. Like she would, you know, not keep the Word of Wisdom and not like that's a huge deal, but it's sort of indicative of kind of where you are a lot of times. So yeah, so we'd go to church very sporadically. The the church, even though we lived out in Center Creek, um, which is kind of, even the outskirts of the small town of Hever, um, there was a church just kind of like, I guess what would be equivalent to a city block away. And um, so we would go on occasion. um, And then sometimes I would go just by myself just to go to primary and sing the songs and come home. You know, so it was... um, Because it was so accessible, I think that really helped, (laughs) Um, you know, Mm -hmm. me get any exposure to the church at all. Mm
0: -hmm. So... How did your dad's inactivity affect your perspective of the church?
1: Um, well, it was hard sometimes. I know that, um, like, we would sing those songs in primary, like, families can be together forever. And I knew that I, my family didn't quite qualify for that. Mm. But uh, contrary to what I've heard some people say about, let's, you know, protect the feelings of people who don't have certain types of families um, by not talking about eternal families. um, You know, I don't think that's really a good idea. I think, of course, we're always sensitive to the people that we're speaking to. And we do, you know, we're careful. But I don't think that means we shy away from the ideal. Because for me, what those songs did is it showed me that there was a way that God... Had ordained for things to be, mm-hmm. and so I knew, um, with the help of certain primary leaders, pointing it out that while my family um, may not be what that song's talking about, is particular in particular, um, I could go forward one day and and create that family for myself. I knew that I it gave me a goal essentially, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that. Mm-hmm ideals are just that they are are the standard and of course we're not going to always live up to the standard and it's okay when we don't but it doesn't mean that we that we somehow blur the standard because it's hard to achieve or it you know not everybody's going to achieve it so anyway so it it affected me I was I did I was sad you know about that but it did make me think it didn't make me judge my dad. It didn't make me love him any less. It didn't make me love my family any less. It just made, it just made me know that I wanted to strive for something different. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to strive for something different than you know, you're raised with, I think. Yeah. And there were some things I wanted to keep about the way I was raised, you know? And so we do that, you know. we just do that. We say, what, what do I want? And we, But it's nice when we have God's ideal out there in, yeah. you know, in our minds to, so that we can shape what we want you know, in the best terms. Which are God's terms.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think it's super interesting that you had a desire and like that recognition um, so early in your life, like primary age. Like I'd say a lot of the people who I've talked to on the podcast or my friends or whatever say that they find that like realization that like the church is an innate part of our lives in like the youth program. Mm. So, why do you think you had that faith like so early on in primary?
1: Um, I think that like, I really have a testimony of the primary songs. (laughs) Um, I have a testimony that the simple truths like, you know, in a a little child's soul will like just resonate as you sing those truths. You know, there's something about the music maybe of it. And of course, you know, you're saying those truths out loud and I just, it just resonated with me and I, and I felt good. You know, Mm -hmm. you, as I just was perceptive, perceptive in knowing that, um, I want this. I love, I like this feeling. And you know, it's not very concrete. It's not very like, you know, you are, you do have a child's brain, but you just think it's a very simplistic idea. Like what I'm singing about equals good. Mm. I I want good. It's maybe just even that rudimentary of a thought, but, but even just planting that seed, um, in a child's mind is is so important because it, it steers them, um, I knew it was important. That's another thing that it I just knew it was an important thing. Um you know, but I did grow up with because my family was different than, you know, all the other families around me were very they kept really strict rules, you know. This was the 80s and um you know, it was it was don't listen to this rock music or it's of the, you know, there was the eighties culture of Mormonism, which is, which is particular. And I was glad in some ways that I wasn't, um, that I, that I wasn't in those strict Mormon families too. I was like, I was happy to have my family and it, it opened my mind to thinking, well, we're not bad. Like this is a, you know, it opened my mind to just that they're, to think critically, I think about everything because the, I had to compare what I was hearing from my friends to what I was taught in church to what I saw at home. So I always mm-hmm. kind of made a habit of comparing, comparing, and, and assessing. And I think that's kind of shaped my brain and the way I look at life a lot.
0: Yeah. So then you moved to California, and what happens with the church in your life?
1: Yeah, so my parents divorced, and my mom had sort of a, a psychotic break and, um, you know, has been... in kind of never really recovered fully and has been mentally ill ever since then. And so... You moved
0: because your parents got divorced?
1: Yeah, so it's a long... I mean, there's a lot of details that are too, you know, it's too intricate to (laughs) sort out here. But um, basically, I moved to Southern California, yes, because my parents got a divorce. And um, I... Yeah, and I basically, you know, I was living with my dad. And um, while our records were transferred... Um, I, I probably went to church a handful of times and again, I, it's a long story, but, but that's it. I mean, I really was just, I didn't care. You know, it's kind of like Maslow's hierarchy where of <laughs> 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 well, needs, like sure. my, yeah. my basic needs were not like my emotional needs were not being met. And so I was just sort of surviving emotionally and I didn't have really the bandwidth to think about how I was you know about that i i kept that in my heart and i knew that i believed in god and i think i would pray on occasion but i was really just i didn't want the chaos of my parents life i didn't want i just wanted to be a, a kid and have a social life and that was really um kind of what was on the forefront of my mind yeah. so anyways church faded it was not a priority and i didn't have parents Who would say nope? We're going to church today, and Mm -hmm. you know, so there was none of that. So it was just not there Mm -hmm. in my life. I I did have people who they you know because they had our records and they'd met us a couple times, like me and my sister, um, that would reach out on occasion and I, and I was appreciated. I never resented it Mm. because I knew I'd been in those classes where they talked about, you know, about the people who were inactive and I knew it was done with love. Mm. And so I, I knew that they were reaching out. I knew their purposes, but I just was not in a place to receive it. And so I just would say, Oh, thank you. That's really sweet. You know, and, and, you know, my dad would be mad when they came, but that's okay. You know, I would sometimes be like, Oh, it's okay. (laughs) Anyways. Um,
0: Um, so you're in California, the church isn't a priority for you. Um, how does that affect your social life?
1: Well, I slowly just, you know, kind of adopted the culture around me (laughs) as one does, you know, you, so I just, uh, you know, I remember one time somebody asked my sister, um, about her religion you know, what religion are you? And she said, oh, I was raised Mormon, but I don't, you know, but I'm not that anymore. I don't believe that anymore. And I remember thinking, what? Of course you do. Like, in my mind, I was like, why would you say that? Like, Mm -hmm. it was so appalling to me that she would say I was raised Mormon, but I don't believe that anymore because I, no matter, regardless of whatever choices I was making, I always believed in my heart that it was true. Like, I never, I never... Tried to rationalize it away. I just knew I, had, like, that testimony that I had gained. Um, I knew it. I just knew it was true, and I knew that. It, I didn't even think to deny it. Is the mm-hmm. thing. And then I heard her do it, and I was like, "What are you doing? You're going to be struck down. You're lying to yourself. <laughs> like, what are you saying?" <laughs> um, and of course, you know, possibly she felt that way, but and and that's fine. But what it did to me is it made me realize I didn't feel that way. And then that was something I couldn't say, regardless of where I was in my actions or my life. And so I think that is really what made the difference is for whatever reason, um, and maybe to a fault, (laughs) I may, I am honest with myself about what I'm doing and maybe I'm too hard on myself about like, am I, am I living up to my truth? And so if, you know, I can be a little bit hard on myself, um, but but I knew that's what I believed. My point is is I knew that's what I believed. In. Um, and so having that in the back of my mind, of course, would cause um, a little bit of cognitive dissonance because I wasn't at least tr- even trying you know, yeah. to live that way. And so um, I think that that's what, over time, kind of led me to come back to the church. I think that's also what led Heavenly Father to be able to, as he sends out... People and feelings. Um I had to reckon with those things. I couldn't just I couldn't just, you know, turn the people away and say, would they stop bothering me? I would be like, oh, that's kind of them to come, but no, I'm not ready or I'm not in that place. Or when the feelings came or the promptings came, um, I would have to be like I would have to reckon with that guilt and that feeling and I wouldn't push it away or and, and it made it hard and I think that's what eventually led to me feeling um, depressed in a way because I wasn't living up to the things that I valued yeah. and there was like a series of events people reaching out um, me just being kind of fed up with uh, my life so by this time I'm, I'm 16 and I tried kind of every sort of subculture that was around me. Um, My sister was like into the Grateful Dead and into, you know, reggae culture. And I kind of had, you know, went along with her into some things. And um, I, you know, I went through a punk phase, kind of like a urban hip hop phase. And I tried them all out. And I, I mean, I honestly, there was little things I thought were cool or neat about each of them, but I could never just give myself over the way I saw other people doing like, this is my thing. I am a punk rocker. Like I will give my my identity to this movement in my clothing and my speech. Yeah. And I, I'm just like none of the none of these subcultures warranted my full participation and identity is what I felt. Yeah. Again, there were things that were cool about them, or I liked certain aspects of the culture. But when I would go to let's say a party where there was a reggae band playing, while I might love the music, I just I didn't I, I just was like this is not. <laughs> Who I am. It does, yeah. if for whatever reason, it didn't resonate fully with me. And clearly it resonated fully with a lot of people there because they were giving themselves over to these subcultures in their mm-hmm. dress appearance, the way they spoke about themselves and their beliefs. Like They, they would sort of parrot the tagline of that, of that subculture. Yeah. And so I, I, I just could not do that. I could not. There's nothing that I felt worthy of that um, of, of my full attention. Mm -hmm. And so there was nothing for me. So I was kind of like floating and like I said, um, kind of illities in my own mind because I had values that I was kind of just not that I was forgetting. And so then finally, I think it, it really did happen overnight for me, um, where I decided to come back to the church. Um, I, there was there was it was a Saturday night and I decided not to go out to a Long Beach house party. Yeah. How old are you? So I'm 16, like, like 16 and a half, let's say. I didn't go out on a Saturday night to a Long Beach house party because I'm like, uh, there's no point of going out. Like mm. I just I'm not I know what that I'm just not gonna have fun. So I was with kind of uh, a friend that I'd made when I first moved to California and you know we kind of drifted apart but we were hanging out that night for whatever reason. And talking about like the purpose of life somehow, <laughs> um, and she was kind of telling me her version of you know what life was about, and I began telling her my version, which was coming out, you know what what was coming out of my mouth was a lot of just kind of Mormon doctrine. Yeah. And sorry that we said Mormon at the time, so I'm speaking <laughs> in the parlance of the day. Yeah. And I just as I was saying those things, those truths, it was like the spirit like said to me, "If you believe if, that's, if you believe what you're saying, why aren't you living it?" Because I was saying something like, "You know, when you first hear about this, it seems like the things I'm saying that, that it's just a lot of rules and restrictions, but really what it does is it keeps you safe from um, from just making mistakes that might cause unneeded hurt in this life Mm. or something like that. You know, and I'm thinking, wait, (laughs) why then am I not living in a way that is in accordance with what God has set forth to avoid unneeded hurt in my life, you know? And it just really, it just dawned on me in a way, like I just reckoned with that thought in a way maybe I, I hadn't in, in several years. And so once she left, because it was a Saturday night, I, um, I kneeled down and said a prayer. And I was like, I poured my heart out to Heavenly Father. And I was like, I'm sorry. And what do I do? And I, 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 I just, the impression I got very strongly was that I had a future family that was counting on me doing what was right. And I had to, I had to turn my course around or in a new direction, at least, in order to um, fulfill the mission that I had. And, you know, because my parents were kind of dealing with their own struggles and I didn't have a lot of support from them and, you know, my siblings um, were on their own paths as well, I think that it was really important for me to feel that I was needed and that Heavenly Father was thinking of me and He really needed me to um, to get on track because there were things that I had been um, foreordained to do and I just really that sense of mission um, I think was just really compelling for me and I set my alarm and I went to church the next day and I pretty much um, I mean not that it's been a perfect straight line for me to be sure but (laughs) Um, for all intents and purposes, I never looked back, you know, it was, it did change the trajectory of my life in one yeah. night, one decision, like, I know people a lot of times say, oh, gradual, and it, 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 from that moment, my growth has been gradual, but that was a pivotal moment, like, you mm-hmm. know, and I think there are a few in our lives where we can look at pivotal moments, and you say, that decision changed a lot, and for me, that night was that one decision, me just deciding, I'm done, and I'm going to go to church, and when I got to church, one of the One of the young women's leaders um, who'd met me those few times I came when I first moved to California, brushed up to me as, you know, a good Latter-day Saint would, and she was like, hi, and I'm just like, hey, if I need to talk to the bishop, how do I go about doing that? She's like, well, my husband happens to be the executive secretary, so just come, (laughs) I was like, perfect. I like, I had no, it was, you know, it was so weird because it was really like, um, you know, you, the scripture in the book of Mormon, where it's like, you have that change of heart and you have no more like desire to do evil. Like you just, I really, you know, I, I went and talked to the bishop, I think that Tuesday or Wednesday. And I really just, I just, you know, to an extreme because I'm black and white. Like I just, no, I, I got rid of my friends. It's not like I was rude about it. I just was like, Hey guys, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm I've decided I want <laughs> I want to, you know, start going back to church and so I'm not going to be doing this stuff. I remember my friend, one of my good friends was having a birthday party like that following weekend where her mom was going to like she was a cool mom and she was going to let us, you know, drink in her house, like it was her birthday, so she's going to have drinks in the house or whatever and you know, all the all the girls were looking really forward to, you know, forward to it. and I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to come because I'm just, you know, it's not where I'm at right now. And I just really was like, oh, it, was, it was like a complete 180, um, I remember, and then a couple weeks after that, my whole family went down to Cancun, you know, with our extended chagas, relatives, and, and it was like, it, for whatever reason, you know, everybody was able to drink, like my sister, who's a year and a half old, every, it was like underage drinking was somehow allowed, and like, cause we got off the plane, and the car to take us to our hotel had like a, a, a cooler full of Coronas, like <laughs> beers. And I was like, everybody was like, okay. And so that was like another like, nope, I'm, you know, it was like another like test of where are you at and where, are she, and I just was like, no, I am 100% solid. I will not yeah. like, even if I'm the only one not going out or whatever in the family, like I'm not participating. Um,
0: what was your parents and your Well, you know, I was just church. with my
1: dad, my dad was not happy about it. He felt like the church is what broke up my parents and so he um you know was like why are you you know as time went on he was kind of like why are you always in your room (laughs) because I didn't want to go out and I was doing a lot of contemplating I was reading my scriptures and writing my journal I just you know I wasn't depressed (laughs) but maybe he felt like I was I I was just dealing with I was just dealing with that change and processing that change and um, he was mad about it, <laughs> he was mad, he's like, yeah. why are you always in your room, why don't you go out with your sister, I'm like, um, do you not know what she's going out and doing, like, yeah. what? you know, and he, I think it was just hard for him, it probably triggered him in some ways, but, because um, I love my dad, and he, he was such a great man, and really influential in my life, I don't want to downplay that, um, my mom too, and I just, I appreciate everything they did for me, um, they gave me sort of the base that I needed, and I was able to kind of go from there, but, But it was just a, it was a time where I was kind of on my own with, with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that was, you know, I feel like the Lord really sustained me and I, I, I felt stronger. You know, what had happened, you know, as I was kind of just before I just, that night (laughs) that everything changed, I had gotten to a place where I had had, it almost was like I became, got like a social anxiety, which was not me and nothing I'd ever, you know, had before. It was like, I almost, like, felt like when I was with people, I couldn't just speak freely or be myself. It was like I felt, um, yeah, I just kind of felt, like, nervous about interactions, and I was like, that was really new and weird to me, and I didn't like it because I, you know, I'm an extrovert. I I genuinely, like, love to be around other people, and generally I, you know, I, I just had never had that problem and so when I went back um to church and I began to engage really seriously with the scriptures and in prayer I felt like I li- I literally could feel each day my confidence grow I could tell each day I was beginning to com- it was like um you know how they say in the prodigal son like he you um what does he say? He comes to himself Hmm. or he returns to himself. I can't remember the language. That is what was going on. It was like, I was returning to myself. Like I was beginning to, you know, that cognitive dissonance from having values that I was, that I was ignoring. Finally, like I was trying to live up to those values. And of course, while I wasn't perfect because we never will be, at least my psyche or whatever it was, was aligned. Probably my spirit was aligned, you know, because, um, I was trying and Mm. I think that um, yeah so that was that was uh, I guess where I began and I and I gained a testimony of the atonement of Jesus Christ Um, I gained a testimony of the scriptures the power that they can give us for um, to gain a testimony because that's how I gained my testimony because I was like okay if this is what I'm gonna do then I'm gonna need to know that this is what is right and true and so i began to you know experiment upon the word and read and pray and i began to see that um, when i did those things my life was better i was better i was magnified i became more capable and i just and that's always been true yeah and when i've had doubts because i've had strong periods of doubt since then I, that period of time and that growth and that connection with Heavenly Father that I felt has sustained me through those because I could never deny that strength that came as I, as I accessed prayer and scripture. And it's been, it's been the bedrock of my, of my testimony. And it, it held me through those periods of doubt, doubt. And then I, you know, and then I would, then I would come out of that. I came out of that doubt and, you know, actually stronger in my testimony, but if I hadn't had that bedrock and that foundation to sustain me, I may have not come out of that. I could, I could have easily made, you know, another decision, and, and anyway. So that's kind of what led me to, to the church. I, I applied to BYU. I applied to a bunch of UC schools, University of California schools, and I got into those, but I also got into BYU, and I, um, my dad did not want me to go, and he said, promise me that you won't get married or go on a mission until you graduate. And I said, okay. But I was like, okay, well, if those things, if I have the desire or, you know to do those things, I'll deal with it when yeah. it comes. But <laughs> luck I didn't, I kept my word. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was when the age of missionaries was 21. And I, and I um, yeah, anyways, that's another story. But yeah, so I didn't go and I got married like the week after I graduated. Dang, so, girl. Yep. <laughs>
0: The way you tell your story, it's like you're fully letting the atonement of Jesus Christ work in your life. Like it was like a full repentant change. And Mm -hmm. what is it? People talk about how, like in Hebrew, the word repentance is something that means like a full change, like to look and never go back. Mm -hmm. And like that's what it was in your life. Like you were fully transforming yourself and your life for Jesus Christ.
1: Mm-hmm. So I
0: think that's insane.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's super crazy. I think that when pe- I think that I like as I've watched people embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ and make him, uh, you know, when they make those kind of changes or sacrifices. And for me, it wasn't as, like it, it. I was getting all that I needed, so it yeah. didn't feel like a sacrifice. Which that's what you have to understand. Like I'm like anybody else would have done what I did because it felt as though. It was, it was the antidote that I needed for all that ailed me at the time. And so it was, um, I felt like I was getting all the reward. And so it didn't feel like, oh, you know, I'm making this big sacrifice. It was just I wanted that wholeness more than I wanted anything. I knew what the world, I had gone through. I felt like, you know, what the world had to offer me at the time. And I just knew it was empty. I just knew, I just, what, I was like, that is not, there are fun things and there, you know, might have interesting, like, cultures around them, but that's not fulfilling me. Yeah. And I just wanted to be filled. I needed to be filled. And so that was what was so, that's what the gospel of Jesus Christ offered me. And so I felt like I was the one receiving all the benefit and not, you know, really sacrificing. Yeah.
0: Well, what advice would you give to somebody who's, like, in that pivotal moment? Like, you made that decision that night. What if somebody's like, oh, I probably should have made that decision that night. And they, like, didn't. Mm. Like, but now they're faced again. They're like, hey, wait a minute. I just realized that I need to do this. What's your advice to them?
1: I, I honestly, all I could say is that if you can have, if you can find a way to have a real moment... In prayer with Heavenly Father on your knees and bear your soul, and try if you can find faith in Heavenly Father enough to say that prayer and say it knowing He's listening. Um, I, yeah, for me, that has always worked. But you have to be on your knees and actually say the prayer. I think a lot of people think about saying the prayer, or say it in a very casual way, like laying in their bed, or I don't know what they're doing. But if you, I really, I don't, I just feel like if you go to the Lord in that desperation, I feel like He will respond. I've never had Him not respond when I go with humility, like help me please like in that humility and that desperation like please I need help and I believe in you and I I need to know what to do like so you're humble you're faithful because you are praying to somebody who you feel loves you and cares and will answer you and you are honest and respectful like I have never had that prayer not not that it doesn't stir something within me. I'm not saying mm. that, you know, I know exactly what to do, but if it doesn't stir something within you, motivate something within you to act, to act in the you will you will be motivated or stirred to act or think. And those motivations will be in accordance with the will of the Heavenly Father. Yeah. I just, that's always been my experience. And if nothing else, if you can have that prayer and you don't need to know how it's all going to end, but it will give you the next step.
0: Mm. What is your advice to kids who are growing up in a family that's not active and who are facing a lot of the struggles that you were talking about earlier where they're singing songs in primary about how families are going to be together forever and they're like, well, my family is not.
1: I had to kind of say trust Heavenly Father on that. Mm. And I... Here's how I separate it. Maybe others aren't able to do this, but I know what I'm commanded to do. I know that I need to make, you know, receive certain ordinances, make certain covenants, and I know that that's what I need to do. And I am going to follow that for me and try to give that same advice to people I love, right? To my who my stewardship. Mm-hmm. But I am not going to worry about other people's decisions in that to that like I'm, I just can't worry about if my family is going to make it to the celestial kingdom my extended family what I can do is reach out to them in love and concern and if I feel moved upon by the spirit I can invite you know, them to do things. I can always care and I can always invite them to do things that I feel prompted to invite them to do. But I'm not worried about their salvation. (laughs) I mean that might sound like insensitive, but I cannot sit here because it's too to me that is I'm just I'm just told to love, share and invite. And I can't, I know that Heavenly Father loves them. I know that Heavenly Father loves my dad just as much as he loves me. My sister just as much as he loves me. And so I guess my advice is do not judge the people in your family who haven't chosen the same path as you. They may not feel it, feel the way you feel. And sometimes it's like, you know, haven't you heard that like Jesus speaks in parables because those who are ready to hear it will hear it. And it won't condemn those who aren't ready to hear it. I don't know, you know. I just think that I don't know what their interaction with the gospel is. I don't know how deeply they felt it or didn't feel it. I don't know anything about their hearts in that regard. And so I can't judge them. And I just know that I'm meant to love them. And so I think that... I know this is, sounds a little convoluted, but I just I feel like you're supposed to love, not judge invite if you feel moved upon to do so and know trust that heavenly father will work it out in the eternities yeah however at the same time okay. <laughs> you have to do your duty because you do know and you do you know what you know like i know that yeah. i've been commanded to do certain things and that's what i'm responsible for and so i know i am responsible to make and keep sacred covenants and so i have to do that without, one, without you know, judging others, because I don't know how they, deeply they felt that command.
0: My last question is, what is your advice, again, to someone who's struggling to gain a testimony?
1: Um, I would say, I, I, it's just, well, I don't know. If, if you yourself, if you desire to gain a testimony, then you are already on your way. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm worried more about people who don't desire it at all because that's a really tough thing then to, to help inculcate within them the desire, you know? So if you desire to have a testimony, you, Heavenly Father, will never stop sending you opportunities to fill the Spirit and to grow. Because I know that when I was in my period of inactivity, I... I continued to get little, you know, I don't know, little messengers or, or promptings to come back or to just inter- interact with heavenly father, to engage with the spirit somehow, you know, it just little, little, uh, attempts by heavenly father to draw me back in, mm. you know, and I, and I felt them and I, I remember, I knew that I wasn't, that I was pushing them away. I just wasn't in a place to, to, you know, grab on, so to speak. And so, um, so I would say, if you desire to get a testimony, next time one of those little promptings or that little act comes to you, recognize it for what it is. See that it's Heavenly Father's hand, and maybe try following one of the promptings or, or or accepting somebody's invitation, and um, and see where it goes. I am a very strong believer in like the hymn, "Lead Kindly Light." talks about I'm a strong believer in just knowing what the next step is and that being enough. If you can of learning to just take the next step and not worry about the rest. If Heavenly Father is guiding you in that next step, take it and and he'll always keep guiding you in the next step and that will be enough to take you to where you need to go.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Mm -hmm. This was super fun. Thanks for being vulnerable. I really hope that people listen to your advice. It was fire. And I hope they listen to your story. I loved it. Gosh, I love talking to her. (laughs) And I relate to so much of the sentiment she expressed. Her leap of faith is so admirable, and I hope you guys take her advice. For updates on when new episodes come out, follow the podcast Instagram at gain underscore testimony and email or DM me for any suggestions or ideas for the podcast. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next time.